This episode of the Adventure Jogger podcast brought to you by Najee Husseini, Trina Cellino, David Moser, Jennifer Raby, Jeff Rutherford, all of our Patreon supporters, and of course, you know it's you, you the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Billy Jackson, welcome to The Adventure Jogger, man. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Um, I don't know if in the area where you're at and you're out in Massachusetts. If it's yeah. horrible pollen weather yet, are you in horrible pollen weather at this point up in Massachusetts? I mean, that's what everyone's saying. So I'm actually like, I hadn't gotten sick in like years and I yeah. just got a cold recently, mm-hmm. but everyone's saying pollen season is bad, but I've never had allergies. Like when I, I lived in Washington state for like six months and some sort of animal or vegetation out there gave me allergies. I couldn't tell you what. <laughs> You're not sure. It's <laughs> it's flora or fauna. Not sure. It's one of the two. Yeah, squirrel dander, like cascade <laughs> squirrel dander. I have no idea. So. <laughs> I'm always I'm bringing that up, folks, as you may notice a little gravel in my voice. It is full on pollen season here in Tennessee, and oh I, I usually have. Like, you know, usually like two weeks of really bad, just congestion. My throat feels horrible. My voice starts to take a dump and, and I just uh, like, like zaps all the energy out of me. So people will know which order these episodes were recorded in. If they'll notice like, yeah, you know, Ryan's voice was a little straining on that one. And then this one, and then this one. So I just, just let everybody knows I'm going to try my best to get through the brain fog and, and, and the gravel in my voice. But I appreciate you coming on, William. It's, it's so nice to, to finally chat with you. We've been trying to connect for a while, but technology is, uh, it, it's, a, it, it can be a pain in the butt sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Billy, Kind of give me the Billy Jackson running story. Were you always a runner? Is this something that happened later in life? Like, how did Billy Jackson turn into a trail and ultra runner? So it's it's funny. Like growing up in New Hampshire, it's like you think, oh yeah, I ran all the time in the mountains, but <laughs> I just played sports in a small town, you know, and it's yeah. like. I played soccer, played basketball. Like, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have football or hockey or anything. So, you know, I just did the sports thing and, you know, eventually it was like, you know, got bored. So I'm like, yeah, I'll just go out and hike mountains in like the middle of the night, you know, (laughs) and I just go out and like suffer, you know, I'd wear like denim pants and like, you know, camouflage. (laughs) Wash pants and just go hike like some of the higher peaks in the White Mountains and how basically be swimming up. Yeah, how old are you at this point, Billy? Like in high school. So So you're sneaking out. Most high school kids are sneaking out to either drink or to fondle. Oh, I did. I did all that. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I was like, you know, I was like a big partier. Like, you know, you party with my friends and. You know, too much. Like everything was in excess. You know, it's like yeah. yeah. But your parents didn't have the direction. You know, it's like well, and it's hard when you're 18 years old, and and you know the whole world is is coming in on you, right? And as you go through high school, and I can only speak to my experience. There, there is this transition from childhood to adulthood, right? And. You know, I, I grew up in a house where mom did everything. Mom cooked every meal. Mom did the laundry. Mom made the beds. We just played around for 18 straight years until we moved out. And it's funny when you you, know, you get to high school and you get through, you know, junior and senior year. Senior year is when it hits you. When you have to register for the selective service, you're like, oh, my God. I'm an adult now. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's a, it's a weird weird space to occupy this land between childhood 
and adulthood, you're like, no, now I got to go out just like dad and get a job and support a family. And, you know, it's like, I can't just go home and have mom take care of anything anymore, everything anymore. Yeah. I mean, we were pretty childish. Like my father was like a big kind of, he was into jokes and he was kind of a knucklehead sometimes. And, you know, that was like, you know, before he died, I always had that youthful exuberance, you know, and I was just like, you know, it's like times like that when things come up and, you know, it wasn't until later in my running career where he actually passed away, but, you know, I always just, like, I came into running from when I moved to Massachusetts of all places, you know, like, I used to, like, we'd call them flatlanders, you know, we're like, oh, they're all flatlanders, you know, growing up in New Hampshire, (laughs) it was like, Right. You know, and like I started to meet my friends that did ultras and you're like, like, oh, I think I can do this. Like, right. If if these flatlanders can do this, a New Hampshire man who used to sneak out of the house in the middle of the night and go climb mountains can handle this. Yeah. But I just never thought that I never knew people ran, you know, 100 miles, let alone, you know, or ran marathons, let alone run 100 miles. It was just like new to me. I guess it was like a geography thing you know we didn't have boston or you know people in massachusetts like covet the boston marathon like it's you know this it's like the holy grail of running to a lot of people you know it is and so many people you know spend a whole career of running trying to qualify for boston and it's almost like that qualification for boston is almost a moment where you can go like ah okay i am a real runner because I yeah. qualified for Boston. Um, for me, I've never qualified for Boston. Um, I'd love I to. Have, but have you? Yeah, but I didn't run it. Well, because pro- like I was excited at first, but then I'm like, well, why would I want to be with all those crowds? <laughs> and like, <laughs> right. I'm too like nervous a person to be like, you know. Well, and the reality crowd. too about the, the Boston Marathon, that people don't know. The entry fee is reasonable for what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the most iconic marathons that ever existed. But then you 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 try to book a hotel in Boston around oh, the boy. Boston Marathon. And do they jack up the prices of those hotels and those Airbnbs? Like they know. And you're like, wow, that's that's a pricey weekend. Oh yeah. For a blue and yellow I mean, you shirt. Could just, like, you could probably go to like anywhere for the same amount, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, yeah, I've, I've, I've always wanted to qualify for Boston. I haven't. Um, and I've used that for fuel every time I see a Boston shirt at an ultra. Like you see a person wearing their Boston blue and yellow shirt at an ultra marathon. You're like, I'm going oh, yeah. bur- to burn this guy down. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, like the tracksmith clothing that has the BQ, like mm-hmm. who can afford that? <laughs> right. Right. And if you're wearing it in the middle of the mountains in an ultra marathon, you know what? You're probably a wonderful person. You are probably oh, yeah. hard of gold. Good, good person, good friend, good spouse, good everything. But for that moment, you are the embodiment of all of my failures as a runner, and I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take you down to feel better about myself for 30 seconds. Absolutely. <laughs> so the running part of things, Billy. Do you start kind of the same path that most people do? Just kind of the 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon. Or is it because of the group that you got mixed up with in Massachusetts? You were like, okay, I'm going straight into ultras. Well, I, so I played sports. I, I moved to Massachusetts. I'm blue collar. Like yeah. I worked a construction job. I, I ran heavy equipment till yeah. recently. Yeah. So I didn't have a lot of money. And like, once I started getting into mountains, I was like, oh, I'd, I would have loved to have been a high altitude mountaineer. Yeah. But you know, it never worked out like in my mind, like this is just like, you know, kids imagination. Right. So eventually, like, when I got my act together, you know, you run your first 5K, and I was like, I'm a big guy. I mean, you might be able to see from the video. Like, I'm right now, I'm like 230. Yeah. And I'm 6'4. Like, I'm not like a small, dainty runner, you know? Right. So, yeah. so it's like, you know, getting into it was just a matter of like, you know, getting your body ready to like, 
actually run, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm like lumbering along. Like I ran, <laughs> I'm running a 5K and I look like, you know, the Kool-Aid man, you know, and it's like <laughs> just because of like I lifted stuff and, you know, your your body like develops to what you're doing. So, right. you know, my friends are like, oh, my God, you your form is awful. And then eventually, you know, it kind of like leaned out and, you know, I have strong legs. So it kind of like. I adapted to mountain running like pretty easily yeah. once I got into it. Even though my first hundred was like pancake flat, like you know, I, I know Adam Ribeiro, and you talk to him, and yeah. like he he does Tark events, but I was doing Tark events like you know years ago. Like um, there's like the Ghost Train, and it's on like an old railroad bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like. You know, I was like, oh, I should like train on roads, you know, and that's like, that was my introduction into ultra running was, you know, it's like seven miles out and back for a hundred miles. Right. So it's like a strange deal, you know, you're just like, all right, like, this is how I'm going to be introduced to the event. And it's like, it's weird, you know, like, it's hard to run flat. Like, I mean, it's just like it's a different game, like especially being a hiker of what I was. Yeah. So adapting to that and like tuning my body and trying to figure out like you know, distance running was like this new thing. I mean, I train hard, like that's always been my shtick, is yeah. like you know, it's hard work. I'm blue collar, like I don't mind hard work. Right. Just not very smart. <laughs> you know, I don't have like the training plan that like, you know, people are like, oh, you got to eat right. And you got to, you know, you got to do this many miles a week. I'm just like, I love running. Like, I'm just going to go out and <laughs> run like a, like 115 mile weeks just because like, you know, I saw it in a book or something, you know, it's like, right. You don't have a coach. <laughs> you don't have a plan. This is just Billy winging it. Billy's just yeah, winging yeah. it, folks. That's all he's doing oh, here. Yeah. Um, I would think, though, Billy, that your background in construction probably plays w- just greatly into your favor when it comes to mountain running and ultra running. Because as a construction worker, you're on your feet all day long. You're lifting heavy things. You're doing hard things. And it's really your nine to five does a lot of training for you. It helps you get ready for those races just because of the stress you're putting on your body, the amount of shape you're in to do that kind of hard labor, and just all that time on your feet. It puts you at an advantage, I would think. Yeah, and especially with your feet. Like, you know, I'd wear, like, leather work boots, and, you know, you get wet, and you're in the worst weather. Like, it absolutely, you know, like, I, you know, not to downplay long distance events but like you said it was like it wasn't that hard for me because my first year it was like it was just you know it's like the mental switch you have to flip you know it's like all right i've never done this before but i'm like i think i I can do it and then in a way honestly the first hundred i did i was like i hope i'm not good at this because I'm like, do I really want to spend the money? And like, is this going to be something I really enjoy? <laughs> you know? And and so the first hundred I did, I got second, you know, to some Canadian. My friend, he was a um, like a, a multi-day ultra yeah. endurance athlete. Yeah. So I'm like, what an asshole, you know? It's like this guy comes out, whips my, like whips me. But he's like, you did a good job. And I'm like, I, I was a fucking mess. Dude, I had, I like, this girl I was dating at the time, I had one of those crank flashlights. You, you had, know, you squeeze them. Yeah. And they go, yes. And like, light up. I had one of those because my headlamp was terrible. Wait. And I couldn't see for shit. <laughs> so your headlamp takes a dump. At Ghost Train. Oh, yeah. And so, oh, yeah. And I'm squeezing. I'm getting like the ultimate forearm workout. You're going the down the trail. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Oh, yeah. And it would, <laughs> it was so dull. And like at the time, 
like we always joke about ghost train because it gets flatter and straighter every year but the year i did it they still had like railroad ties yeah because the ghost train is like you know there used to be a a railroad bed yeah so you run and like i had the worst lighting and you know when you you've run on trails you yeah. know when you stub your toe yeah and then you slam your feet down so hard you want to have a heart attack yeah i did that probably a hundred times <laughs> and i was like this is i'm like how could i ever like doing this but i love that somehow that Billy, that whole mantra of I hope I'm not good at this. Like, it sounds like to me, you're sharing that story. It sounds like you got mixed up with a bad crowd of runners that that were a bad influence on you, got you into the world of ultras. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to do a hundred mile. I'm going to do them, do the ghost train flat as a pancake. I'm going to suck at this. I probably won't finish or I'm going to be dead last or whatever. And here you are stumbling through the woods at night with a crank hand crank flashlight and you take second place yeah and it wasn't like it wasn't like a card of people that were just out there like i remember some of the name i don't bring up names you can bring up names go ahead but it was like you know some guys that that did stuff and here i am like i'm a mess you know i tapered i trained hard but i i had no fucking idea like there was a guy, you know, you know, East Coast ultra running, you know, mm-hmm. like Brian Rizeki. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I like, and coming out of the scene, like these are guys in the East you like idolize. If you're into long distance running, like, yeah. you know, I grew up watching like Michael Jordan, you know, and like, yeah. I played basketball and soccer. I liked athletes. So to me, it was like, I'm like, oh, there's a famous guy in the sport. Like, I even bought shoes. I saw him at a race. So I bought the shoes that he ran in, but they were like, they were like slippers. I'm like, I put these things on and I'm like, I'm way too heavy to be running in these stupid things. <laughs> they were like, do you remember the rogue uh, Montreal? Like the, yes. What were they? Like the yes. rogue fly or whatever. Yes. You saw Brian Rizeki wearing those and you're like, well, I mean, he's the, he's the Michael Jordan of new England trail and ultra running i'm gonna go ahead and get me a pair of those shoes realizing that okay there's different shoes for different types of runners and this is not the shoe for me no and i've my whole career i'm like i've struggled with sneakers like you know we all do it we're like oh this is gonna be the thing and like you know like or you buy a pair and it's like it fits perfectly you feel comfortable you have a good race and then the company just like you know, oh, yes, we don't care about what you think. <laughs> <laughs> right. We like, got yeah, some ideas for some you. updates like, you're really going to love. And then you I know, put them on. you talk to these guys who make shoes, you know, like, oh, that was, a, I love that shoe. They're like, yeah, it was a great shoe. So it's like, like what happened? <laughs> right, right. Exactly. You know? No, it's true. And I think when you get early on in into ultra running, you do try a lot of things because you want to try and find things that work for you. And sometimes it's trial and error. Sometimes you're, you find a shoe that you love, like you said, and then the company stops making it or they've changed it in such a way that it doesn't work for you anymore. You're like, okay, the toe box is too wide, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's a lot of trial and error. I'm kind of lucky because I've gotten to the point in my life where I know exactly the shoe that's going to work for me. And that's just, I've been sticking with the same shoes for five years. If I'm running on roads, it's Clifton's. If I'm running on trails, it's Speed Goats. That's all I wear. I don't go outside that because I go, you know what? I don't want to drop $130 on a shoe and I'm going to go, oh, this is not as good. And now my knees hurt. So yeah, Yeah. you got to have that trial and error. Yeah. I mean, like my favorite shoe, I actually ran, uh, grindstone in was the the early bushido yes yes the la sportiva yes it's not a hundred mile shoe no for my you know i have a lot of strength in my legs and i liked the i like to feel the trail yeah but then they made them like thinner and they fall apart now and like there's not as much of a like a a rock plate right so what what shoe companies need to do is stop going on the comment sections of trail and ultra just running groups in general 
because I think yeah. they I think they put too much weight on the people that are constantly saying like, "Oh, make a bigger toe box." I want yeah. less cushion. How wide are people's feet? Like, I, yes. Like, are like we in the Jesus. Hobbit land? Are we? Are, are you and I the only non-Hobbits here? Yeah, like I have a decent-sized foot, but if it's any wider, I'm going to be spraining my ankles like all over the place. Like I don't oh, understand. And I'm not. And I don't know. You know, you and I are are runners over 200, um, or at least at the time times are. Um, yeah. I've I've tried those, and I'm so uncoordinated to begin with that I've tried big toe box shoes and I'm just tripping over myself all the time and I'm ripping up the side of the shoe because the shoes keep yeah. rubbing on each other. But yeah, it's a mess. Stop oh, yeah. going on comment sections and taking comments of people on the internet to heart. Just keep making the same shoe, baby. Oh, no, I know. I know. Just put some more material in the shoe. Exactly. You know? Mm-hmm. Pay you know, for it's like less material, more money. Like, I don't understand. Exactly. And Are we all going to have to become barefoot runners? Because eventually it's just going to like... I tried that. Getting at. Did, you, did you ever get into the barefoot trend, Billy? No. I have friends that do it. Like, really, like, solid barefoot runners that yeah. are, you know... And they're... I mean, they're amazing people. I just... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just... I need... I need a shoe under there. Oh, I, I like, try. I try. Well, my it. friends mm-hmm. they call it foot coffins. So yes, because they the call shoes yes foot the barefoot people and the people in sandals. Yeah. Glenn, I'm looking at you. I love you, but what's what's up with those sandals? Um, but yeah, I, I tried the barefoot shoes because I I did every fad. I did every fad imaginable. I've tried every fad at this point. Yeah, because how old are you now? I'm 40. I'll be ter- well by the time this thing's out. I'll be 45. So no, no shit. Yeah, yeah, I'm 41. So yeah, we've been around I came the block. During the uh, the the um, uh, born to run fad, you know. You were yeah, you were born to run, and um, uh, Dean Carnass's book Ultra Marathon Man kind of came out at the same time. Yeah. Um. And and yeah, I I remember reading those two books. And when did when did Ultra Marathon Man come out? I gotta Google it right now because I want because that'll that'll tell that'll tell you uh, when we started running ultras. But no, it was about it's about you know I want to say 2010 ish. Mm. Yeah, about 2010 is when I got yeah that the the ultra game because of those because I read Born to Run and then mm-hmm. I um so my first <clears throat> hundred was Ghost Train mm-hmm. and then I did the Tark 100 which was billed as like. You know, the first timers, 100, like, yeah. you know, Tark events, what Adam talked about, they're inexpensive and right. they're devious, the people that think up these races, because it's like they throw these, like, you know, yeah, it's going to be easy, but it rained like four inches the week before. Oh, yeah. So the race started at night and we are running through water for. You know, I ended up finishing in like just under 22 hours and I was like fifth overall. And it was like, it was a disaster. Like I was so out of it for the first 50 miles. Like I was just like, what is going on? And, you know, you're like almost up to your waist in water. Like, yeah, I remember I was so out of it. I like tripped and like flew in the bushes. <laughs> because at the end I like completely flew in the bushes like Superman. Yeah. And I'm like crawling out in my you know the Phoenix lights. Mhm. It fell in the middle of the trail and it was like pointing and these people were coming the other way and they're like are you all right? And I'm like I I think so. <laughs> <laughs> like like crawl out and I had the worst poison ivy after from that incident like I was just like oh my god like you Billy, you fail your way to success. Well, it's all part of it, you know. It wasn't. I mean, as some people is a failure, but it's you know, it's like getting through it, you know. Well, yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like nothing ever goes right for you. At least the two races we've been talking about so far. I mean, nothing goes right oh, for you. We can keep going. I have, let's keep oh, going. Let's mess. keep going. But I, I want to just summarize mess. for a second. Here you are, your first race. You're at the start line going, please make me not good at this because I don't want to do it again. You're wearing wearing ill-fitting shoes because Brian Rizeki wore them. You got a hand crank flashlight going through the the trails. Like that's got to burn Brian to know that he got beat at that race by a guy with a hand crank. Well, he wasn't there. Oh, okay. 
No, no. Oh, he would have smoked okay. all of us. Okay, because I'm thinking yeah. if he lost to a guy that cranks a, that had a crank flashlight in the middle of the oh, night, he'd no. be, that, that'd be he's bad. too calculated. I'm just I'm too dumb to <laughs> to get it right. You know. I mean, I've had my my moments, but yeah, you it's have. a tough game to put it all together. So <laughs> it is. Um, when did you did you upgrade your headlight for the next one? Did you have to hand crank it through the woods again, or were, did you get a better headlamp? Oh no! So the um, the mud race was you know it was just the elements you know like in Massachusetts you know New England weather is brutal so mm-hmm. you know you have a race that is billed as being easy like it was all very flat and runnable but it was just you couldn't run hard through the the puddles because there was so much water yeah so you're worried about like twisting an ankle or you know for me i just need to finish you know yeah so my goal like my first hundred you know everybody wants a buckle right so ghost train didn't offer a buckle because it was like twenty dollars or something (laughs) so like they gave you a railroad spike right with puppy paint on it it's a like hundred mile finisher <laughs> a railroad spike with puffy paint oh yeah i still have that thing that's like a you know it's like badge of honor man wow. a railroad so, spike like, with puffy paint was that your trophy or is that the finisher's medal oh that was everybody who finished got yeah there was no top three because it wasn't in the budget you know (laughs) (laughs) it's like listen guys this puffy paint is not cheap and these railroad spikes we've been pulling out of the out of the railroad down the street is uh this is gonna catch up with us eventually puffy paint don't pay for itself puffy paint absolutely you go to michael's or all these other art stores like you know you want to bedazzle something it's like not inexpensive i was thinking the the race director is going hey honey do you have that coupon for michael's 50 percent off any item i gotta go get puffy paint for the trophies oh yeah i mean what not too many people finish hundreds so i guess that's like a good thing no i think it i think it's very it's very cool And, and the one thing because I also did my first 100 was not a buckle race. They, they've since started doing buckles, um, but they didn't give buckles out originally either. And so, you know, as as, as I finished that one and, and, you know, what do you do when you finish 100? You put the buckle on and you tuck your shirt in and you show it off to everybody. And I didn't yeah. have that. So just kind of it just kind of fueled the flames for another one. I'm like, OK, well, I got to do another. I got to at least get a buckle out of the deal. Oh, yeah. It's about the greatest thing you could ever wear. And yes, we don't be ashamed to tuck in that shirt. We all do it the Monday or Tuesday after a race when you go back to work. You may not tuck your shirt in at all, but you're tucking in your shirt that day. So people can ask, oh, yeah. what is that well, gaudy thing? when you go out west, people get the, you know, like half the shirt tucked oh, in. And- mm-hmm. But then too, it's kind of neat. And I love how that's become a trend and, and it all comes from Western States and, and all of that stuff. But I love that buckles are a thing and, and, and how crazy people are getting with, with the buckles. There's some really awesome looking buckles out there. And that's half the motivation. Sometimes you're like, where is that? What buckle is that? Oh, yeah. I've got to do that. Well, the Yeti is like one of those races. I'm like, that sounds terrible. Cause I already did ghost train. It's pretty much a similar type of event. But right. The buckle is like fantastic. The buckles out of this world. I mean, you could spend a day yeah. looking at that buckle and just finding new things in the buckle all the time. Oh yeah. I mean, you could, yeah, just stare at it for hours. But I will say, yeah. I think, I think the Leadville sub 25 buckle is like the one of the best flexes, other than the Western States silver buckle, the yeah. the Leadville sub-25 buckle is a huge flex. And you see people that have it. And the thing is like a dinner plate. I mean, it's a... Even, oh, yeah. Oh, and also the Cruel Jewel. The Cruel Jewel buckle yeah. is absurd, but it's absurd in a good way. That's a oh, dinner no. plate. Oh, yeah. No, it's like a WWF championship Yes, buckle. yes. You feel like you're Macho Man Randy Savage throwing that thing over your shoulder. Oh, or absolutely. Hulk Hogan. You know, telling the race director, let me tell you something, brother. Give me that buckle. But it is so cool because you see them and you're like, wow, that's something. Oh, yeah. And like growing up in New Hampshire, my father was a truck driver and, you know, we're rednecks. Like I grew up in a trailer park, for Christ's sake. So it's like, you know, I love belt buckles, but I never like earned one. So when you start to like 
you get into the sport like oh i can earn belt buckles like on my merit like i don't have to go out and like i mean you pay for them essentially but it's through like blood equity you know it's like you put your you literally leave your flesh out there right to get a belt buckle and you know like i wish i could wear them more like i have a um a tahoe silver buckle because i ran 25 hours there yeah that's nice and uh it was 2014 which is also their nevada state um their 250th anniversary as yeah. a state yeah so it was stamped on the back it's super cool like oh yeah know, it's kind of like unique for the 2014 finishers like it's pretty awesome that's really cool to have and i don't know about you but if i go to something with a western flair like if i've been dragged into a western themed bar and there's plenty of those in nashville or if i go to like a rodeo and there's plenty of those around the area i will i will wear a button-up shirt i will tuck my shirt in and I will wear my Ozarks or my Pinhoti or my Superior buckle. <laughs> yeah, see, that's right. awesome. Right. I'm just waiting for someone to be like, what, 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 you're not a cowboy. You know, but I feel like that's, I can flex a little bit and, and show off the buckle at a rodeo. Oh, you earned it. I mean, that's like, yeah, I'm not riding a horse or a bull, but it's like, you know. Exactly. You know, they only do it for eight seconds. You're doing it for friggin' 24 hours, you know? Exactly. Exactly. On your own feet. You, you don't need an animal to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Try and do it without an animal and see what happens, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That That's respect. Yeah, Ryan, don't mm-hmm. wear that shit proudly, you know? <laughs> that, that I do. People at work always, like, if I reach up for something, because I don't, I, I don't, I just, I always wear one to remind myself all yeah. the time that I can do yeah, hard you got, things. You're reaching up with two Right, hands, you're like, hey, like, guys. What? And they're like, what is that yeah, thing you're wearing? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked, because yeah, here oh. it is. And then they usually fall asleep uh, about halfway, halfway into the discussion of how I got it. Um, yeah. Billy. Let's go back to Tark just for a second. You talked about starting line of Ghost Train. You get to Tark. Was your hope at the start line of Tark that Ghost Train was a fluke and that you were going to suck at this and then that would give you the excuse to stop doing it? No, I trained hard. I mean, it was, it's more my own mental battles. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like everybody's like self deprecating. Like, yeah. You know, it's an inner struggle. That's why I'm good at ulcer events is because i have like that inner turmoil like i mean not to like overplay it as like self-hatred but i definitely turn a lot of things inward like it's like a childhood thing of how i grew up you know like i'd have like you know inner struggles like all the time you know and it's like when you're racing or you're out in nature for so long it becomes like less you know it takes it all down you know you calm down you're like you want to be there it's you know it's like because it's a running event that's what makes it you know harder for me internally like because i think about competition and like i need to perform but you know it's like if you could you know, the races where I relax and don't think about it, I do a lot better. Like races I've won, I just was like, I kind of let go and was just like, I'm just going to let go and like, Interesting. you know, run comfortably. Interesting. So, Billy, you talk about just moments ago about how these races where you struggle, where it's you against your self-doubts, you know, whatever's going on in your head and you're working hard against that and trying hard, you don't see the results that you see when you just go, ah, screw it. I'm just going to do whatever. I, there's no pressure on this whatsoever. Yeah. Why do you think you run so much better when you just throw your hands up and say, screw it, as opposed to you know, putting forth effort and I'm going to write down for my crew, I want this at this aid station and put forth all this effort? Because you're worrying, you know? It's like, when you're worrying about other people, like for me, my best races have been, I love like the races I've had a pacer has been awesome, but I I worry about them. You know what I mean? It's like, there's just all this overhead, you know, like in work, it's like the the guy who has like a hundred employees is probably more stressed out than the guy who has one that 
it could be his friend and you know what i mean it's just like right you want to keep your overhead low in a in a race of like you know if that's who you are if you like to have the whole rah 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 and you need like 100 people like giving you you know watermelon this and that but i just like i just i never wear headphones i don't text people i just you know i just run you know i just like to be out there and it's it's just easier for me you know it's not for everybody but no no, i I I don't need all that i (laughs) listen i i say if it works for you go for it if you want to use headphones and listen to the adventure jogger in the middle of a race go for it i appreciate it download all the episodes well yeah yeah if you're you're a music person listen to some music if you want to chat with people if you want to listen to you know the the nature around you I always laugh when when people will post on the trail and ultra runners facebook page the group page and they'll go what type of headphones should i get i'm looking at <laughs> airpod pros or or shocks what should i get and there's always 99 of people are like oh airpod pros or shocks there's always one person going you don't need headphones you should just listen to nature well yeah. that's your bag like like some yeah. people need something else in their noodle oh yeah i mean there's but for me, like, you know, like, you know, Carl Meltzer listens to music and, mm-hmm. you know, he's a different animal altogether. And like is. all these guys, it's like, but I'm, I get too fired up. Like, I like all kinds of music, but I'm also like really into like metal music. Yeah. If I listen to Slayer and ran, I'd be like, I'd be passed out on the trail like a <laughs> half an hour later because I'm so fired up, you know, I'm like punching trees and like like all sorts of stuff you know i'm just like a very like you know emotional like i'm a pretty chill guy but i get you know emotional about things you know like experiences and it's hard to like rein it in you know sometimes what you need to do is listen to music but not slayer you need to listen to like yacht rock like old steely dan songs and michael mcdonald that'll calm you down they'll have your best race ever because you'll be just going just S- smooth and coasting except i don't like steely dan <laughs> like, like why am i listening to that brian recommended it I, I, just can't, I can't get into it we're gonna have yeah. to agree to disagree i'm a huge yeah. steely dan fan i love oh, no, it's steely totally dan. fun oh but, yeah yeah you know you know um it's funny because my kids my son has rebelled against my musical tastes and he listens to like SoundCloud rappers and little something or others. And it's a lot of, it's that kind of rapping type of thing where it's all kind of the same beat where my girls are full in on dad music. Like they want like, they love Steely Dan and boss skags and Michael McDonald and all that, that, that stupid stuff that dad likes. They have whole playlists on their phone called like dad's music and they crank it up all the time. Yeah, that's the way to be. I mean, I I don't know. It's I just like every bit yeah. of music. I mean, I was lucky to grow up, you know, as you were, and like good time for music. Like, oh, you know, you get all the classics. Like '90s were phenomenal. Yes, it's always fun when you're a parent and your child discovers something that you loved as a child, that the music you grew up with. And they present it to you like this is something you've never heard before. Like yeah. they'll, they'll say, hey, dad, you need to sit down for a minute. I'm like, okay, I got a band I want to play for you. I'm like, all right, let's hear it. This is called, they're called the Stone Temple Pilots. And I'm like, oh, boy. I'm like yeah. I listen to all that stuff. That's this was yeah. my jam in high school. Yeah, listen to it. Just don't don't uh look at the artist too closely <laughs> right no don't get into heroin like don't Scott emulate the artist don't, no. the or, yeah. or or nirvana like my youngest daughter is is into nirvana like she's like oh, this awesome I, great. oh i love nirvana yeah and who didn't they changed the world i don't think people realize and we'll get back to trail running in a second folks i'm sorry we just have to go into a, a slight little left turn or left or right turn. no i go on many tangents that's okay I have, I have many interests so yeah <laughs> but people don't realize what nirvana did musically to the world um before nirvana broke 
rock music was pretty awful. Um, the music, the, the music industry was leaning heavy into this West Hollywood sound, this poison, this, uh, you, you know, uh, um, not Guns N' Roses, but like Poison and Motley Crue sound, that glam, oh God, yeah. that glam, the eye makeup. yes, oh, the, the cheese hair makeup. and all the spandex. And they were leaning hard into that. And then Nirvana comes out and they weren't, they weren't singing about, you know, I mean, how many songs about girls were there? You know, like 80s rock was just all, hey, girl, that kind of no, stuff. Yeah. And then Nirvana comes and out. And it was like uncomfortable, too. Like yes. Many women are like, they probably feel objectified to a point where they're like, I'm never going to listen to this shit. Like, exactly. And then Nirvana comes out and they're singing about their feelings, how hard it is to be a young person in America, uh, you know, all these social issues. And the music is is really different. And I think I remember hearing Nirvana for the first time and going, okay, well, music's changed forever. And and that that was the case. I mean, they changed music forever. And all of a sudden, overnight, rock music went from teased bangs and eye makeup to vintage flannels from the Goodwill. Well, yeah, because they just feelings. called out people. Right, it made them feel ridiculous for mm-hmm. you know. Oh, it yeah. was. It was like, oh wow, I'm going through maybe something similar. Like, why? Why am I not singing about this? Right, <laughs> right. Because the music at the time wasn't speaking to anybody, and then Nirvana comes out and smack. Oh my God! Every teenager in the '90s was like, I don't know why Kurt Cobain is singing my 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 life issues on oh, this yeah. Nevermind album, but it is <laughs> like this is like he's singing my life. Yeah, and I'm going to wear short soccer shorts with long boxers underneath, you know? <laughs> right. That's what I'm going to do. Right. <laughs> like the, the clothing trends are just, like, outrageous. And, the, and you know, it's funny, oh. is, is the same trends are back. Like, I have pictures oh, of God. my of my wife from the 90s, and, and she has, like, my daughter has the same outfits that she had. I'm like, why did you get rid of those? We could have hung on to those, and we just could have saved ourselves some money. We're buying the same thing you had in the 90s, for our no, daughter now in the 2020s, way. right? Just hang yeah, on to it, put it in a Rubbermaid Tupperware something or other and, and put it away somewhere. Um, but all that to say, music or not, that is your choice. You do you, do you, you know? Yeah. I think it's perfectly okay. Um, you touched on this a minute ago, well, before we started talking about Nirvana, um, about just the things in your head, right? The self-doubt, the issues you're dealing with. Was that your kind of running fuel? Was that why you really got into ultras? Because it gave you an opportunity to maybe shut the mind down for a while or to prove that you were worth something? Like, is there a connection between the two? I think it just came down to like quieting my mind. Like, yeah, I mean, I think like a lot about a lot of stuff and Mm. it was like, it just put me in a quiet place of like, you know, all you have to think about is like, you know, oh, it's like, you know, it's like the dog, like, oh, there's a squirrel, there's a stick, there's, you know, it's like right. when you're running on trails, it's like, oh, root, rock, oh, low-hanging tree, you know, and you're right. just like, you're in this, like, you know, state of, like, everything is simple and you're just out there enjoying it, you know, because that's what I had when I was a kid before I started working full-time, mm-hmm. you know, I'd just go out and, like, be in the woods and like exist, you know, it was like, that's my, my Zen state, I guess. Yeah. If it makes sense. Yeah. Like, kind of <laughs> like those, those times sure. talked about, you know, he- heading off into the mountains to go, uh, run, to go climb those mountains in the middle of the night. It was your, your, your place of solace where you could get some quiet and maybe turn off the mind, um, for a, for a little bit. And it seemed to, to really work for you. I would think we talked about this briefly earlier, but what people don't realize too, you know, my my dad is a, was a floor installer for forty five years. You know, so working construction oh, nice. sites and installing floors, whether it was wood or carpet or tile or whatever, hard work, and you have to work in really crummy conditions. If you're doing construction and the weather's not great, if, if the if the house is framed in, you're in there and you're cold and you're miserable. You professionally just every day-to-day job 
you had to overcome suffering in a very unique way in your regular nine to five. Oh, absolutely. And plus I was in a bad work situation where it was like, I mean, it was, you know, honestly, it was downright abusive. Like I worked for a small company mm. and I just recently got done and I was like the soldier, you know, I mm. did rock removal, like ledge removal. Ooh. So like I used to run a, a machine that would drill holes in rock. Yeah. And you'd have to go from the controls to the end, like to two sets of controls. So I would be up on ledge and walk up and down ledge all day and drill holes and like shovel out, make sure material didn't go down. And, yeah. And I'd help blasters like so I'd carry like bags of ammonium nitrate, which is explosive up and down, like 50 pound bags up and down ledge and like fill the holes and like run a shovel, lift heavy chains. And, you know, like I'm kind of a different animal, but it was like, you know, like you said, every day is like a struggle. So, you know, I kind of like fell into a sport that was like, you know, the hundred miler was like made for me. Yeah. And I'll say if anybody's like me, where you're working hard and you don't have, you know, there's nothing that really like, you know, challenges you. Yeah. Ultra running is like, it's awesome because it's, it, it just doesn't seem like running, you know, where you're like, you see the videos of people like, you know, they're jogging with their nice clothes. And yes, it's just like a gritty communal sport. That's, it's like very blue collar to me, you know, whereas most of my friends are like, you know, they make way more money than I do, you know, and, but we have all that in common, you know, like we all go out and suffer and it's all the same kind of, you know, brings everybody together. Well, you know? yeah, the barriers are taken down, you know, I mean, you, it's not, you're no longer, you know, Billy, blue collar, Billy working construction. You're just Billy Jackson. You're just Billy, the, the running buddy. And it doesn't matter yeah. what, what you did. And, and and it's so interesting that trail and ultra running brings so many different people from different walks of life together. And, you know, my best friend, one of my dearest friends besides, you know, Stafford is a guy who is one of the baddest men on planet Earth. He is, you know, a legendary special forces operator. He's you know, I mean, every time we're out in public, people know him and then they'll, they know what he's done. I didn't know that for a long time. I thought he was a cook. I, I didn't even care, <laughs> yeah. you know, but where else in the world is a loudmouth podcaster who tells bad dad jokes all the time going to bond so closely with, you know, a special forces operator that a brotherhood would be born from two unlikely uh, people who in the regular world wouldn't probably ever talk to each other, but because yeah. of that shared suffering, none of that stuff matters. Oh no. I mean, you're all in it. I mean, it's all ugly, like mm -hmm. nothing, you know, you know, it's like, it's the least sexy sport out there. It is. Know? It's like, you said something that reminded me of something real quick when you said it's a communal sport. And I think there's nothing Billy that, emphasizes the reality of trail and ultra running being a communal sport than the fact that most races you're going to find a big uh tub of vaseline on the aid station table with just random finger marks in it it's not covered oh, <laughs> it's like, oh yeah it's like, people wear rubber gloves now so i don't know if you heard of um i ran the vermont 100 in 2019 yeah you know, it was hot, mm -hmm. like exceptionally hot. I finished in like 24 hour. I was like 24, 40, yeah. Yeah. something. Just ran it easy. I literally took the last finger from the petroleum jelly jar. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, my friend had it and opened it. And it was like, seriously, the most minute amount. And I'm like. F it. I'm throwing it on there. And it's just like, <laughs> it burns so bad. I mean, what's worse than putting on anti-chafing stuff when you already have chafing? Oh. But I did it anyway. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know. 
the one thing that I think we benefit from now that we didn't maybe when we got into the sport was there wasn't a whole lot of of products out there for every need. There was no market for it. Why is anyone going to invest any time and stuff for trail and ultra running? There's no market for it when before the boom hit. No. And so you had to use uh, was it Body Glide? And Body Glide is the biggest scam in the world. You go to the store and you buy Body Glide, and you've got something that is about the size of of a bottle of Coke, and you know you pay forty seven dollars for it, and then. The reality is 99% of that is packaging. The reality yeah. there's the body glide only takes up like the top inch of that giant soda bottle sized container of glide and you'd have to reapply it all the time and you were like where am I going to like how can I hide it? I got to carry a backpack to carry this thing with me. And now oh, yeah. they got products like and I'll I'll plug them salty britches where it's design I, I don't even chafe anymore. So I, I've I've forgotten what it's like to get into the shower after a race and go like ah you know because you oh that's amazing hit that bad spot. I mean, I've, it's weird though. It's like in races. I mean, it's all dependent. Like when me and my wife do our long, like we do like tons of long distance multi hour runs. Like when yeah. we did the Adirondacks, yeah. And it was like we were on vacation. Like I never had chafing. So I'm like, is this just in my mind? Like, I don't understand how, you know, like in some races, like um, I did Pine to Palm. It was like 100 degrees. This was back in like 2012. This was after I did um, the Tark 100, the wet race. Yeah. So I did 200s in one year and I decided to go west because I was like, you know, you get the bug and I wanted to do hard rock. Yeah. So like every other ultra running idiot, they want to do hard rock and think they're going to get in. Right. So I did Pine to Palm. It was a fucking disaster. I mean, I ran the first 50K in like five hours and it's 100 degrees. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm like, oh, this is easy. It's like buffed out trails. I'll oh, yeah. start them in shape. And then who's behind me? Jen Shelton. So I'm like, oh, fuck. Now I did it. You know, when you realize you run too fast, but it's like, you know. Right, like, like, wait a minute. I shouldn't be anywhere near you. What? Yeah. Did you get lost? Okay. She runs by me, dips her hat in the stream, which I learned after that as being one of the best things, like, you can ever do. Mm -hmm. You know, out there, they just have it down. Or here I am, like, you know, the guy with the flash squeeze flashlight in Massachusetts. <laughs> right. She's just like dips her hat in, you know, and like, oh, I'm cooling down. She's super nice. <laughs> and I'm the worst downhill runner. Like, if you see me, I'm just like, oh, yeah, with dainty legs. And <laughs> like, people will make fun of me in hundreds. Like, at Tahoe, these people are laughing at me. And I'm like, Come on, I'm I'm six four. Wait, isn't I'm that trying. bad? You're right. I'm six four. Okay, listen, Mister Five Foot Three. I don't want to hear about how easy it is to no, go down hills. And it was just like I'm just like oh, damn it! And then I ended up whooping their ass because I can climb like you know friggin' goat. But would you describe yourself? <laughs> I was going to say, would you describe yourself as a redneck from New Hampshire or a Massachusetts redneck? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's like <clears throat> the term's funny. It's because I'm I literally grew up in a trailer park. Right, right. And I own guns still. I've shot guns. I've yeah. driven four wheel drive vehicles. But I'm yeah. also like, I mean, if we hung out, you'd be like, no, oh, he's kind of nerdy. I mean, I've read comic books. I've, oh, yeah, I used yeah. to play Dungeons and Dragons when I was in middle school. You're a so. multifaceted person. I only ask because. As you're passing these people that were laughing at you for going downhill, are you thinking, yeah. hey, fancy pants, you just got passed by a redneck from New Hampshire? Or are you thinking to yourself, hey, fancy pants, a Massachusetts redneck just took you down? I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking like, I don't know. Uh, and that particular moment, I was like, I could probably pick them up and throw them like 100 <laughs> yards. But I'm just like... That's all right. It's your thing, you know. It's like I don't, I don't get too, I don't get overwhelmed by yeah. really any task. 
like it seems hard at the time, but you know, it's just kind of like, you know, you just stay with it. And like people have their own things, you know, it's like whatever. Well, and think about for work, you're lugging, we were lugging bags, 50 pound bags of explosives up a hill all day. That is, I mean, so a hundred mile ultra marathon is probably a, a, a cakewalk compared to 50 pound bags of explosives up and down a hill all day. Yeah. I mean, especially when you train, I mean, like my biggest thing is, I mean, I ran hard like I raced pretty hard, like in uh, shorter distances and, you know, I'd put in, you know, a lot of, a lot of hours, a lot of miles, you know, cause I was excited about it. You know, yeah. like you remember the first time you got into it. It's oh, yeah. like, it's the most accessible extreme sport we have. Mm-hmm. So if you have that desire, it's like, wow, I can, I can be an extreme athlete for, you know, very low money. You know, it's like, right. you can be poor. Like I was fucking, I was eating a carton of eggs. Like when I moved down to Massachusetts, yeah. I was, I moved from my family's house. I live with my brother and I couldn't afford anything. I literally lived off a carton of eggs. You know, that was wow. what I ate, you know? And then I was like, before I started running, I just, you know, I'd, and the other money I had, I drink. Cause I was just like, I had no fucking purpose. You know, right, I was like, right. you know, like everyone says like you want to live, but you don't know how to. Mm-hmm. So like I got into like, you know, the shorter running events. It was like, Oh, I'm, yeah. I remember being an athlete. And then a couple of my friends, Greg and Jeff were like, you know, a place I run now, like they were awesome. They had like this cheap, like a free event where they encourage dnfs it was 100k <laughs> yeah that nobody finishes like it's still to this day one of the most badass like ultra running achievements it's in lynn woods in massachusetts it's a a municipality like it's 2200 acres and it's really rocky and it's runnable and hilly and just crazy at the same time you know there's like a lot of pit bulls and what is the name of this race and, uh, it's called the nougat. It was called the nougat, but it's like we do it every now and then, like mm-hmm. when I feel like it. So it's kind of this obscure race that like never happens, only on like my whim, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so me and my wife will go out and mark it when it ever happens. But they finished it, like, and I just have such, you know, it's like they weren't my mentors per se, but they right. were just people. I cared about and respected, you know, cause it's like, it's your own body. Like, it's not like they can teach you your abilities. It was just like, wow, you guys are fucking nuts. You run long distance. Like, I guess I can do that. Right. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> um, Billy, over your running career, what are the three things that you've learned that you'd like to pass on to maybe people that are newer to the sport? Uh, I mean, use your heart. That's the biggest thing. I mean, I'm a heart and soul guy. Like I always said, if my heart's in it, nothing's going to stop me. And that's been my biggest attribute is like, if you care about it, what's going to stop you, you know? And just like, and that being said, just, focus on what you care about you know it's like if it's important to you to finish for your own reasons then what's gonna stop you like i'm not gonna run a race ryan because you told me to right oh it's like you need to finish it because you're gonna love it it's like you gotta love what you're doing you know very true i mean that's it's hard to have any other answer for that i mean that's like first and foremost like i mean you know, it's like if someone's like, oh, go help your mom out. That's what it comes down to. You know, it's like you love what you're doing or, you know, you care about it to a point where it just seems like that's your, that's what you're focused on. You know, like 
that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how I felt, you know? You have to find your why. You have to, to put yeah. your heart into it and find out the why. Why, why, why do you want to do this? What is important to you about finishing this race or, or whatever? That's what you really need to do. To get your heart into it, you got to find your why. Yeah, and like, I mean, if you're out there to be like, to impress somebody i mean that's cool you know it's like but for me it was like it came at the right time and i still love it like i started training again i took years off because i you know covid fucking took my legs out because it's like i didn't have that community or yeah you know drive anymore but it's like you know it's it's awesome when you first get into it it's like that first love you know it's like yeah man it's like you get everything like the danger and you know yeah. <laughs> it's just such a it's such a cool thing like and everybody that's in it is like you know they have their reasons so you can look around and speculate but you'd never guess why someone's doing what you're doing you know right and everyone has there's there's a multitude of reasons everybody has a unique reason that brought them to that starting line and will most likely carry them to that finish line okay you got two more Billy, Ugh, that's, or do you want to stick at one? Maybe we, can, we can just stick at one. We can just go ahead. You know what? One was that. That was a good piece of advice. I, we, we may not have to go farther than that. If you, I mean, I, I did. I I love. I mean, it's hard though. Like I love the finish, but for me, like the it's so bittersweet. I'm such like a in the moment. Like I just love every minute. Yeah, it's nice to finish. But, you know, we've all been there where it's like you've gone through this, like, horrendous – I mean, not horrendous. Right. Like, you enjoy it, but, yeah. like, you have bad races where it's, like, it's painful. But, you know, you may have one person clapping for you. <laughs> so, it's like no one gives a shit. Right. <laughs> you, know? you know, you get the one, like, the – Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> It's like I'm clapping just because I feel like I should. Right, because they've just woken up. They were asleep yeah. a second ago, and then someone nods, uh, you know, nudged them, and now they're clapping. Yeah, like at the end of Pine to Palm, like I come down the hill and I smell like something that came out of a cat. You know, I'm like <laughs> disgusting, and like you know, I see Jen Shelton sitting on the curb, like white as a sheet, and like she was like done, you know, and she's sitting there with, I think her boyfriend at the time. And I said like, congratulations. And there's literally one person like clapping <laughs> and it, it's just like, like, what is like, what just happened? Like, what am I doing? Right. You know? Right. Right. You do the whole experience. You're like, you have like, I have this like weird inner voice and like this one section. I don't know if you've ever been so dehydrated, like your eyes hurt. No, I've been so dehydrated. My fingers are fat and my ring is cutting into my circulation, but I've never been. Yeah, so your eyes hurt. It's brutal. Like, yeah, I remember my eyes like feeling like there was like sandpaper. Mm-hmm. And I I had this voice in my head and I'm just like, I was snickering to myself like I, I could die out here. <laughs> and I'm like, that's when I knew I was good at it. And that was like three races in. But I knew like there's something fucked up in my head that was like, okay, this is what you needed in your life. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Two good pieces run with your heart. No one gives a shit. Um, so that would leave you with, with one final piece of wisdom, Billy Jackson to, to give to the adventure jogger nation. Adventure jogger nation. uh, I don't know. I'll just, I don't know. And enjoy it. Like even when you get stung by bees, Mm -hmm. a moose challenges you, anything that comes about in a hundred mile race, just embrace it. Like, and like, I don't know, go after the hard, hard events, you know, like, and not just to like, I don't know. Everybody has goals, but I don't know. I kind of like, I've gotten, um, not bitter, but when it comes to hard rock. Yeah. I did all the the races and, you know, I qualified and I didn't get in. And that's fine. Like, all the experience I gained and, like, you know, the fun I had doing all those yeah. races, like, 
I don't know. It's just, I don't know. For me, it's, it's just go for, go for the harder ones first. If you think you can tackle it and then, you know, not take it so seriously because it's all just like, it's all a business, you know, Mm -hmm. people want you to, you know, hard rock wants you to do all these races because it's like, you know, it's, that's it. You know, (laughs) it's one of those things. Yeah. All right. Good, good advice. I'm going to recap for everybody. Um, Step one, run with your heart. Uh, Two, no one gives a shit. And number three is just, I mean, don't, don't think too much about it. Just kind of go out and do it. Have fun is what it sounds like. Pretty much. It's basically all you can do. I mean, that's a book. You put that, you put those three things in the chat GPT and say, Hey, write me a book real quick. That'd be a bestseller, Billy. Yeah. It'd be easy to put together a, uh, I don't know, as an ultra runner, you could, you could put together a pretty good how to book, you know? I think you it's could. Called, it's called Don't Be a Pussy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, just, or like work hard and, you know. Yeah. Stop complaining. Work hard. <laughs> stop complaining. Billy Jackson, thank you for spending some time with me on the Adventure Jogger, man. No, it's it's great talking to you. Uh, there's many more stories to be had, but you know it's it's good to to catch up and you know it's been good ten years. Well, that just means we have to do another episode at some point. We'll just save them for the second episode. Oh God, I'd go on and on. Yeah, <laughs> like everyone, you know, it's like where do you where do you end? Exactly, exactly. 